0: Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Part three of a series called What's God's Will. Most of the time as a pastor, people ask me questions, and, and more times than not... They are questions concerning this question here. What's God's? Well, what do I do next? Would you give me some advice on this? How do I know if she's the one? How do I know if I should move? How do I know if I should take that job? What should my major be? Which school should I? Ch-? On and on and on. We all want to know. Because in our heart, we don't want to jack something up. We don't want to make a bad decision. We don't want to like, make a wrong turn into to Brokeville or to you know some type of negative outcome. We all want to know. Because we would all love to be in the sweet spot of life. And the sweet spot is right slap dab in the middle of God's will, whatever it is that he has designed for us. Because what I've discovered and what you've probably discovered if you've been following Jesus for any amount of time is this, is that God's life for you is much better than the life that you dreamed up for you. There's something more satisfying about it. There's something more fulfilling about it. It just feels right. That's why we call it the sweet spot. And so over the course of this series, we've learned that when you look at God's will, you've got to kind of like unpack it a little bit. It's it's a little bit bigger than just saying, well, it's one decision. No, there's a few ways of looking at it. Number one is this, is God has a providential will or a sovereign will, if you will, meaning like he's going to do some things because he's God and he doesn't take opinion polls. He doesn't let you vote on it. You don't get a say and really it wouldn't matter anyway. He don't care. He's got certain agendas that he's going to accomplish because that's what he wants to do. And he has that luxury because he's God and you're not. That's what sovereignty really means at its core. It means God is God and you are not. But there's also a moral will, meaning he's established certain things that we ought to live by and not live by. And many times I have people come to me and maybe they don't know the scripture that well. And so they come to me and they say, well, hey, what about this? And it's like, you know, they're they're wanting to leave their wife because they think they married the wrong person and they now found the one. They're like, no, that's not God's will. I can guarantee that. You can take that to the bank. I can take that to my grave. Why? Because God has clearly stated that he doesn't want anybody to commit adultery. So this is not like a, I should pray about that. We do that as Christians, don't we? We use prayer as the ultimate answer to to all of life. You should pray about that. It gets annoying sometimes when it's your problem and people tell you that. You should pray about that. Or we get stuck in a situation like, you know, I'm just going to pray. There are certain things you should not pray about. You should just know that this is God's will because it's his moral will. But the third one is the one that most of us really are trying to figure out. It's the personal will of God. Like those unique decisions, those personal decisions that will somehow determine the outcome and the future and the quality of our life going forward. What is God's will? So last week, we just talked about this idea that when you're in a crunch and you need to make a decision quick, the most important thing you can do is seek what? Does anybody remember? Seek wise counsel. You know, I mean, like God does not have to speak to you in weird dreams that you have to go find five people to interpret Like God is great at communicating. And one of the most clear and plain and practical ways is that God will use wise followers of Christ around you to speak into you. And through those conversations, God will just drop insight and drop wisdom. And all of a sudden the light bulb will click on you, be like, that's it. And I I know about you, but like this is the way I determine it, all of my big and even kind of middle decisions. I don't make those decisions without inviting at least one, two, three people in on to saying, hey, What would you do if you were me? What am I not asking? What would you see that that I'm not seeing because you've been down that road before? And so anyway, wise counsel. Today, we're going to take the third step. And 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 again, it's going to seem easy. So don't check out on me because there's a right way and a wrong way to do what we're going to talk about today. But it's this. It's that the most obvious way that God speaks to us today is through, everybody say scripture. Yeah, the most, okay, that was like, y'all need some Red Bull in you. Okay, let's try that again. The most obvious way that God speaks to us today is through, yes, through scripture. God actually has written a very big book with very thin pages, so it all fits together nicely. He put, no, he didn't put chapter and verse in there, and he didn't make the thin paper. We came up with that. But he put all of his thoughts and insights, the narrative of his story of redemption, wisdom, principle, all packed together into what we call the Bible or into scripture. And God uses scripture to speak to us more clearly than maybe any other way. And here's the problem that we all run into is that that there's a right way to do that and there's a wrong way to do that, isn't there? And we know this because there are a bunch of weird, kooky people out there who have taken scripture and done weird and kooky things. Like, for example, like I was just talking to a couple earlier they were saying they were just watching a show on, like, churches that handle snakes. because they, And they read an obscure kind of taken out of context scripture out of the book of Mark and said, well, we can be bitten by serpents. And it was like, okay, yeah, he didn't say go try it. You know, he wasn't saying go and play with... That's, that's ridiculous. Do you know that every major cult group used scripture to validate their thoughts and ideas? Do you remember, do you remember Waco, Texas, and the guy named David Koresh? Remember the religious leader? He was, he was a Bible teacher, but you know, again, I mean, like we read things and we think, oh, this means I get my own planet. I I don't know where you get that from. Like, oh, this is where we get these ideas. Like you, there's a right way and a wrong way to use scripture. And so today we want to take a look at that. So we want to take a look and say, how does scripture determine the direction of our life? Because listen to what the Bible says. This is David speaking. He says, God, your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. The statutes, meaning like the decrees of God, the wisdom of God, the words of God, the things that he has spoken, these things become also your counselors. So you need to like, and now here's the problem that you and I are on into. As you come to church and you hear a sermon like this, and you think, well, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But then there's a practical application of how we actually work that out. And that's what we're going to discover today here's again, the problem that we run into when we read the Bible, there's a few different ways we do it. Have you ever been so stumped when it came to God's will that you did this move right here? Did you ever do one of these? You're like, God, I just need an answer. I'm so lost. I'm just going to, Jesus. Boom. And then you find something weird out of Ezekiel. You ever, you ever done? Why? Because some of us don't know where to go or what to do with Scripture. You know what some of the other mistakes we make are? Again, we just pull stuff out of context, and we use it, and we spin it, and we flip it, and we dice it, and we do all kinds of weird things with it. Sometimes we're flipping and looking. Sometimes what we do is this, is we'll run into a problem where we need to make a decision on something, and we think, well, you know what? I need to go find a Bible character who is faced with this same decision, and that's what we do. Here's the problem with that line of thinking, is that their cultural context and their circumstances were probably so uniquely different than yours. You can't, not to mention, there's just some issues that we face today, like, like, you can't find a guy who had to get a vasectomy. You can't find that in there. You're on your own. You're going to have to find some other piece of wisdom and, and, and piece of, of, of scripture to help put that all. There's some things that we just don't have answers for. So we can't do that. We can't just find people. Like I was talking to my son the other day. He has a Bible class, and I'm teaching him about how when you read the Bible, you read in context. And he goes, well, okay, Dad, what's that mean? He's a 10-year-old. And, and so I started explaining to him, okay, well, like, context is the setting that it's in. So, like, if you go take your parenting advice from Moses' mom, you're just going to throw your kid in the water. You know what I mean? Like, that's not good parenting advice. But you don't know that she put the baby in the, in the basket and in the waters to protect the baby. So, like, what's the principle underneath the story is what you're really looking for, not throw my kid in the water. Because some people take that and they think, how do I teach my kid how to swim? I just throw him into the water. So, all that to be said is that we need to actually... Take a step back and realize there's a good way and a right way to read Scripture. And there's a wrong way and a bad way to read Scripture. And here's the other thing we need to come to to reckoning with. Is that even when we read Scripture, the way that we read it at first glance may not even be accurate. Because we filter it through our own kind of history. Our own lens of how we feel and how we think. As a matter of fact, take a look at the Scripture in the book of Isaiah. Listen to what Isaiah says. And this is Isaiah speaking on behalf of God. And this is God saying... My thoughts are not your thoughts I just want you to know right out the gate like the way you think about stuff And the way I think about it, it we're on two different planes of thinking so like your natural instinct for the way That you think about things that, that's not how I think about things as a matter of fact Have you ever had a friend who was so clueless that when they came to you for advice? You pretty much just told them, Hey, look whatever Here's what I want you to do. Whatever your natural instinct is Just do the opposite have you ever heard of a friend that was that clueless? God is almost kind of lovingly saying, just recognize the way you think about stuff. It's different than the way I think about stuff. Listen to how he goes on. He goes, neither are my ways your ways. And as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. What God's saying right out the gate is when you think about stuff, secrets that aren't secrets that have become stuff. When you think about how marriage works, or how relationships work, or how money works, or how, how you should prioritize life, or how you should handle, or how you should respond, or how you should, I just want you to know out the gate, there's a good chance that your natural instinctive response would be way wrong. Here's why it's wrong. Let's talk about how we make decisions. Do you know that there are three big things that factor into every decision that you've ever made? Number one is this, everybody say, perspective. You have a limited perspective, though, don't you? Like you've got you and your vantage point, meaning like you see it from inside of your brain, from behind your set of eyes, and you have one vantage point and one perspective. And many times, again, that perspective is based on how you were raised, what mama told you, what you see clearly in front of you, and you have a limited, we all admit we have a limited perspective. Yeah, I remember one of my favorite pastors and counselors, what he would do is this, is anytime I would go and bring him a question or bring him an issue, I would say, well, here's what I'm thinking about doing. You know what he would always do? And it was kind of annoying early on until I figured out what he was doing. He would actually say the opposite just to get me to think. He would come in and say, well, Todd, that that sounds pretty good, but... Have you considered this? And what about this? And he would just flip it on its head and bring it from two or three different angles. And I would say, okay, now early on it was like it was kind of frustrating. I just wanted a quick answer. I just wanted you to just say, yeah, you're right, go with it. We want the simple thing. We want God to send us an email. But what he would do is just try to say, Todd, you have a limited perspective, and you've got to see it from a few different angles or you're always going to be limited. Number two part of that, that comes into every decision is this. Everybody say emotion. Do you know that your emotions weigh in on everything? Even you cerebral types that think you're pure logic and you're you're Spock Jr., you, trust me, you still have a level of emotion that factors in. Do you know what you have? You have certain desires, certain passions, certain things that drive you. You know what else you have in this realm of emotion? You have certain fears. You have fears that will drive you to make certain decisions. So are we all emotionally unbiased no we're all emotionally engaged and guess what the the certain decisions that have to do with family or children or money they get super emotionally loaded and the third part of, of everything is this is outcomes don't you weigh out outcomes you, these are pros and cons, people. You make the list. How many you do that? How many make a list? When you've got a big decision, you've got a list on this side, this side. This. And here's what you're typically weighing out. You're usually weighing out outcomes. Meaning like, well, if I go down this road, I'll have this, 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 and this. But if I go down this road, I'll have that, 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 that. And then we're like weighing out which one seems to be the better outcome. Here's the problem. You don't know. I mean, really. Do you know exactly how that will work out for sure? No, of course not. You have no idea. So here's what, here's what is so genius. What if you were a person that could always predict the outcome? Wouldn't that be amazing? What if you were a person that was never emotionally loaded, but was just emotion, emotion I said emotion. What if you were emotionally cool? Just like smooth, cool as the other side of the pillow. No shaking, no wavering, everything. Like, like nothing emotionally was going to sway you. No fears, no ungodly desires that you were going to be just boom hey not not only that what if you had every vantage point possible you know what you would do you would make every decision perfectly wouldn't you? you you know what else you would be if you had all that you would be god but you're not are you See, you know what the Bible gives us? The Bible gives us this. The scriptures give us a piece of God's mind, God's thoughts, God's insights, and his perspective. You ever thought about that? Like, this is what the Bible gives us. When we look into scripture, you're literally looking into human history in a microcosm. You're looking at into the mind and insight of a God who has every perspective of every human being of all eternity, for all time, future, past, all of it. You're seeing a God who is perfect. He's not emotionally moved or swayed by fears. He has nothing to fear. He doesn't have ungodly desires. He's God. He just has godly desires. So, and, then, and then he has the outcomes. Like anybody that can predict the future and see the future always knows what the outcome is. So when we go to scripture, what we do is, is we get to move in a direction where we have a better perspective. We're not emotionally loaded. And we can see all the outcomes. The way that God would really have them to be. And this is the way that we want to live life, isn't it? Like we want to live life to where we make decisions from that vantage point. Here's, here's a thought I had. I, I, have you ever as a kid felt like you had your parents figured out? You ever, let me put it like this, you ever as a kid, like you're hanging out with your buddies, and they're like, hey man, why don't you go ask your mom if you can come to, nope. Well, why not go out? I already know what she'll say. Like, you already know what she'll say. No, how do you know? You just know, don't you? You've been with mama so long, you know what rolls and what don't roll. You, you, ever, you ever had that moment where you did say, like, oh my gosh, my dad is going to kill me? Well, I mean, how do you know that? I mean, really? I mean, maybe he, maybe he won't. No, 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 I know, I know. You know, because like, you know, the dad had like the big five you didn't do. If you did that, he'd kill you or you'd have to move out or, you know, whatever it was. How did you know? You had been with them for so long. You had gleaned so many things that you were like, I just know what mom will say. I just know what dad will say. I just know. I just know. I don't even have to ask. I just know. Here's a thought. Could it be that God wants you to play the game? I just know. I, I, I don't even have to go pray. I just, I just know what the scripture says. I know what his insights, his emotions, his feelings, his thoughts, the wisdom. The, I know. I already know. This isn't a, a, a prayerful issue. I, mean, I, don't mean I want to pray just so I can talk to God and God can talk to me, but that, I don't need an answer on this. I just know. Parents, just so you know real quick, your, your kids are doing this to you right now. They're, they're figuring you out. I just want to prepare you for that. So like they're figuring out what mom's top five are, dad's crazy things. They're figuring you out. So I just want to prepare you for that because the same way that you figured them out, your kids are figuring you out, but rather on a bigger picture, God's wanting you to engage in the game so that you can figure out, so you can say, no, no, I already know what my heavenly father would do. I already know what my heavenly father would do. You ever do that with certain people? Like I have certain like guys that I go to for certain type of counsel. So for example, when I have a financial issue, I go in my mind I'm like, what would dad do? I just, I, I, okay, well, I already know. I already know what dad would do. I have, I have a guy who's my, my favorite kind of like uh, marriage mentor. Like he's like the coolest husband. And I always think whenever I'm in a jam or, okay, when I'm not angry and I'm conscious, let's put it like that. Well, sometimes when you get angry, you lose perspective and thought altogether, don't you? This is why if you, if you ever do studies, what you'll find is this, is that two really, really angry people, at the height of their anger, they lose brain function. Right? You actually lose enough brain function to where you would be labeled a mentally handicapped or mentally retarded person based on the level of brain function that you use. Which is why, have you ever been in a raging fight with your spouse where you're both angry? How did that turn out? Well, you put that together. okay. So, so when I'm thoughtful, though, the point is this. I have a husband, the guy that I go to, and I just think, well, what would he do? Because he's the best husband that I know, and I know he would handle it like this. or he. Wh- this is what we do. And God wants us to use the scripture so that we can tap into his thought, his insight, his wisdom, and his counsel so that we can drop back and eventually say, well, I just know what God would do. I don't have, you know, because again, we don't want to, some of us are so goofy about things is that we will again, we will be like, well, I was watching this TV show and the girl on the TV show was named Jennifer and I just met that girl named Jennifer. So I think that means I'm supposed to call her. Don't we think God can do a better job of communicating us with that? We're like, hey, did you see that? The license plate had the last three digits of, of his phone number. So that definitely means I should call him. I mean, like, we we get into some of these weird and goofy things, but God actually wants to use Scripture to communicate clearly. Listen to what Paul says. Listen to this. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says it real clearly, too. He says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the what? By the renewing of your mind. Didn't God say, I don't think like you think? My ways are not your ways? Well, what the Scripture teaches, though, is that through Scripture, we can begin to glean from... His thoughts and his ways. And Paul's saying is when you do that, that is the renewing of your mind, then, everybody say then, and really only then, will you be able to test and approve what God's will is. How many of you want to know what God's will is? You know how you do it? You start moving in a direction to where your thoughts become more like his thoughts and your ways become like his ways so that one day you're like, I, I already know. I just know what he would do. I know what, I'm not talking about a WWJD bracelet either. Those went out 10 years ago now, I think. I'm talking about something that's not on your bracelet, your wristband. I'm talking about something that's in your heart and something that's in your mind and something that says, no, no, no. My mind has been renewed and changed and overhauled and renovated to now when I think about things, I actually think about them the way he would think about them. Then and only then can you prove, and and this is what the word test and approve, it means to sort out and discern. Literally, every time you are faced with a decision, you get to sort out and discern. I got to figure this out, but I know the mind of God because I have put myself in the place of Scripture. So here's what I want you to do. When you read the Bible, okay, first of all, let me back up. I'm making a big assumption. First, read the Bible. Okay, there's a lot of different ways to do it and 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 there, there's there's a, there's not a lot of wrong ways to read it as long as you're reading it Does that make sense? There's some ways where you you don't want to go out into to goofy land, but for the start reading the bible But when you begin to read the bible, I don't want you to do the flip and, and close your eyes thing That you're gonna get lost you're gonna get stuck in a begot Uh, you, you know, I I did this for fun with a friend of mine just uh, earlier today I said hey try this just see what happens and sure enough, he's like slaying the wicked or something. I mean, like, oh, that's God's will for my life. Be careful. There's a right way. You know, some of the other ways that I find we try to read scripture and we make mistakes is this, um, is we go to the Bible looking for promises. And there are even like books of promises. And they're not bad. I'm not saying don't buy those books. But what we many times do is, is we go to the scripture looking for promises and it's like a gotcha game, isn't it? Like, oh, there's a promise. I got you, God. Now you owe me. Like, you owe me, I got you on this one. It's in there, and you owe me this. This is, and we, okay, that's not the way to look at scripture. Here, here's the way I want you to do. When you read scripture, here's what I want you to look for in terms of discerning God's will, is I want you to begin to look for principles. Everybody say principles. Principles. This is, this is what a principle is, if you're taking notes. Principles are timeless truths that reveal the way God and life work. That's what a principle is. So like we look for principles when it comes to discerning God. Now listen to me, you can read scripture, you know, and you can get in that ooey goo way where, you know, you you can do it a number of different ways. I'm telling you when it comes to discerning God's will, you need to look for principles. The reason why is because their their unique circumstances in scripture are so different than yours. And and, and let's just be honest, how many times does God do the same thing twice anyway? You ever thought about like that? Like how many times did he put a guy on a boat with a bunch of animals? You're probably not going to come up against that one you're probably okay. Does that make sense? How many times did he have a guy, you know, a whole army march around a wall seven times a day, all that? How many times did he part the residence? How many times, even Jesus, when you read the, the, the New Testament, how many times does Jesus perform the exact same miracle in the same way? You know, for blind eyes, one time he says, just open your eyes. Another time he lays hands on them. Another time he gets real crazy and he actually makes mud soup, mud pie, splatters it on the guy's face. and says, go wash that off. I mean, like, How many ways can you heal blind eyes? Jesus would probably just keep making up new ways. So saying this guy did this, so I'm gonna do exactly that's not a wise way. So we don't look for the specifics, we look for the what? We look for the principles. We look for the timeless truths that reveal to us how God works and how life works. Now here's the way that you do that. Number one is this, is many times in scripture, principles are just flat out stated clearly. And those are the easy ones. Let me give you an example. You reap what you sow. Can I get amen? Amen. Isn't that kind of a universal truth? Universal. Everybody knows that, don't they? You might be here today and you say, Todd, I don't even read the Bible, and I knew that one. Okay, yeah, but where did that come from? Why do you think you know that? Because it's a timeless truth and it's it's a timeless principle. And it came from Scripture because God has defined how life works and what His ways are. We know that, generally speaking, by and large, that what you put into something is what you get out of something. And you can live the rest of your life flowing from the principle of you reap. What you sow here's another one the bible says like this it says raise uh, Your children in the way they should go and when they are older they will not depart from it That's a principle, isn't it that the way you raise your kids will affect the outcome in the future of their life That what you put into them and what you get out of them. There's a correlation to them This is why so many times when you watch a baptismal service You'll see kids come down for baptism and they're not kids anymore. They're adults But they'll go back and they say well, I was raised in church and I always knew better. But I strayed and I wandered. But now I'm here. To, how many times do you hear that story? Why? Because what you deposited in them as, at an early age and what you deposited and how you trained them at an early age, it will come back. Yeah, some of you parents needed to be reminded of that. I know they strayed. I know you got to hold out hope. But what you put into them, it'll come back. Here, here's another one. The Bible says this in Proverbs. It says, he who walks with the wise will become wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. That's a principle. Meaning like, Wisdom is a bit contagious. If you get around other wise people, it rubs off on you. When you glean from wise people, you pick up on it. You grow wiser and wiser. But when you hang out with knuckleheads, your life is wrecked. Notice it doesn't say if you hang out with foolish people, you get stupider. It says you hang out with foolish people and your life is wrecked. Does that make sense? How many of you can agree that's a, that's a timeless truth? When we, and here's the truth behind the truth is that the quality of our relationships end up determining the quality of our life. Isn't that true? The people, how many of our dumb stories started out with, well, I was with these friends. Well, I was out at this with these, uh, and, that, and, then, and then the story just spirals. Why? Because the quality of our relationships end up determining the quality of our future and the quality of our life. These are stated principles. Sometimes they're not stated so clearly. Sometimes they're just implied. Like they're just laced in there. So like one of them is the principle of unconditional love. How many of you believe that? It's just you, there, there's some, That's how God got you anyway, isn't it? If God wanted to make you, he could have just made you. He could have just forced everything and made you. But he wouldn't have had your heart. He would have just had your body here. But because of unconditional love, he has your heart here. Why? Because it's grace. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. He just he unconditionally loved you. And that love eventually tapped into something on the inside of you. And that's why you're here. Some of you have kids and they're rebellious as all get out. And you're like, how do I get them home? And how do I get? Well, you ask your question, do I want their body home or do I want their heart home? I mean, if you want their body home, you might be able to do some things just to make them come home, but they're not going to have their heart. How do you get their heart home? Unconditional love. That's the way it works. It's a principle all throughout scripture. Here's another one, the principle of purity. All throughout scripture, you know what you find is that, is that purity in dating equals to a, a great marriage, that when you are pure on the front end, it ends up helping your marriage and it actually increases intimacy and it increases the level of relationship that you can get to. Purity matters. It's all laced throughout scripture. Here's another one. Sometimes they're not stated. Sometimes they're not even implied. Sometimes they're in a narrative. They're in a story and you abstract it from the story. Let me give you an example. There's there's this guy that Jesus interacts with. At the end of the story, Jesus said this man has more faith than anybody in all of Israel. Here's the fascinating part. He wasn't an Israelite. He was a Roman. He's a Gentile. He's what they would call a heathen. And he comes up to Jesus and he said, hey, can you come and heal my servant? Jesus said, sure, I'll come. And he goes, no, I, you don't even have to. You can just speak a word. I understand how the principle of authority works. And he, he, he describes the principle of authority. He goes, I understand that because you are under authority that God has made you over authority all things. See, I work for Rome. And so I know that because I submit to the authority over me that their authority covers everything that's underneath me and I am more powerful or, or, or have more authority because of this, the principle of authority. And Jesus says, wow, that's brilliant. I don't say that often. He says, this guy's got, more. what's the principle of authority? See, if you are under authority, you will have authority. And when you're rebellious and you get out from authority or out from underneath authority, you, you lose authority. It's just, it's just a principle. Does that make sense? Here's another one. Again, the narrative of the Garden of Eden. There's a principle of freedom in the Garden of Eden. Have you ever thought about this? Do you know that maximum freedom is found underneath God's laws? Let me say that again. Maximum freedom is found underneath God's laws. Most of us, we we that's counterintuitive, though, isn't it? Most of us think, no, if we got away from God's laws, we'd be more free. God said, no, actually, you'd be more bound. Because my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your way. Yeah, actually, if you come underneath the authority of God or you come underneath the laws of God, you will have more freedom. You rebel from those laws, you lose freedoms because you become bound by so many other things. See, where is all this stuff? It's in the Bible. It's the thoughts, the insight, the wisdom, the counsel, the mind of God. I'll give you one last one and we'll close here. Real fascinating story, King David, before he is the king. David is on the run. King Saul is trying to kill him. If This is, this is the story. King Saul was the current king. David was, was told he would be the future king. And it drove Saul crazy. Because to, to lose power, it'll drive you mad. And so he goes on a hunt for Dave and he chases him, he chases him, he chases him. He chases him. And David ends up in a place called En where there's these caves. And so he and his boys hide in the cave thinking we're going to let King Saul and his army pass. When they pass, we'll come out the back door and run away the other side. And so sure enough, as King Saul comes through the land of En he finds the cave and he has to go use the bathroom. And it's specific that it's the number two. You have to read the Bible, the stuff's in there. So he has to go use the the bathroom. He has to go number two. And so he picks a cave. What cave does he happen to pick? Oh, he picks David's cave. How awesome would that be? Your enemy is chasing you. And then, right, it's it's like laying your enemies right in the palm of your hand. He is in the most vulnerable position you can possibly be in. (laughs) And you know what all of David's men say? Look what the Lord has done for us. That's where that song, this is the day, this is the day. That came from that. No, I'm just kidding. But that's what they thought. And they look at David and say, sweet, look at what God has done for us. Look at how the stars have aligned. You read your horoscope this morning. You, you knew this was going to happen. Good things were coming. And David, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He says, Nope. I can't kill him. It'd be wrong to. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, it's wrong to murder people kind of what david ended up saying and they're like no but look how in the world could these circumstances clearly have come to bear you were told by the prophet you would be the king the enemy that's been trying to kill you is now and you, you right here all you have to do is go kill him and you will be the king and everything will come to pass just like god said it would david said yeah but you're overlooking a big principle And he tells his boys he said, you do not touch god's anointed.'" You can't, again, there's a difference between a command and a principle, right? Like a command, you can just disobey a command. You can't, you know, you can't disobey a principle. Principles like gravity. Does that make sense? A principle works whether you know about it or not. A principle works whether you like it or not. It just, just, it is what it is. You don't, you can live by it or not live by it. Sometimes it's all about like outcomes. Like if you do this, then you'll get this. Isn't that the principle? Like if you live like this, you'll do it. If you raise your children like if you have these friends and this, and it shows you these outcomes, meaning principles, they operate because that's how God designed life to work. And David said, you're overlooking a huge principle because what were the guys all caught up in? The guys all had a perspective and their perspective was just limited to what only they could see. It was limited to only what they knew, that this was how God must have orchestrated it for us to have this decision and opportunity. But they had a limited perspective. They were emotionally loaded. This was David. This was their boy. This was the future king. This was the guy that had been hunting them and trying to kill them. This is the guy that had gone mad and killed the priest and done all kinds of wicked, evil things. They were emotionally charged. Not only that, they were convinced they knew the outcome. They were convinced if we kill Saul right now, you will be the king. No questions asked. Don't you understand? We know outcomes and we have a perspective and we're emotionally engaged. We must have figured out God's will. David said, wait, wait, wait. Your outcomes are uncertain. Your emotions are biased. And your perspective is limited. But when I step back and I look at the counsel of God, which is... Perfect. I recognize that there's a principle throughout all of scripture that says you do not touch God's anointed. Which is a, a better way of saying it might be this in our day in our language in our vernacular is that you don't You don't displace what God has put in place If God wants you to get somewhere you won't have to lie cheat steal or manipulate to get there Your heavenly father knows how to elevate your life Without you breaking other laws to get there and other commands to get there and other principles to get there God can move heaven and earth to get you where you need to be if you will trust him. And this was a defining moment in David's life where I think he stepped back and he trusted the wisdom and the counsel of God and said, I will lean not on my own understanding, but in all my ways, I will acknowledge him and he will make my path straight. David was also the man who said these words, God, your words are a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Your words." Make decisions easy. Last statement, we'll put it like this. The more familiar familiar you are with the ways of God, the easier it is to discern the will of God. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you that you have not left us alone. We are not lost and wandering. It feels like that at times, but that might be because of our own doing. And so God, we pray that we would make a turn back to you, God, and to turn back to your words. That God, your holy words, your scriptures, God, would become so much more important to us. That God, maybe it's the way that we start our day. Maybe it's the way that we finish every day. Maybe we get into a Bible study group. Maybe we're just more committed to being every Sunday morning in a church. Maybe we're just reading our Bible on lunch break and every opportunity we can. Because God, we want to know your thoughts. We want to get just a slice of the pie God, we want to just glean a little from your insight and your wisdom and your counsel, your thoughts and your ways, God. God, I don't know about you. I hope this is your prayer today, if you're with me. Is that I want to be at a place one day where when when I think about life's decisions, hopefully it's just, I just know. I just know what my dad would do. I know what my heavenly father would do. I just know. I just know. Well, how do you know? Because I know his ways. I know his thoughts. I've so immersed myself into his words. I just know. It's not a thought. It's not a question. It's not a debate. I don't even need to go pray about that. That's how simple. I want to go pray so I can spend time with it, but I don't need to pray about that. I already know what the decision is because I know what his moral will is and I know what his principles are. I, I just know. See, and when you know the ways of God, sorting out the will of God, it gets so much easier. And when you find yourself in the ways of God and the will of God, You find yourself satisfied. You find yourself fulfilled. You find yourself in the sweet spot of life. I think that's what Jesus was referring to when he said, I came that you might have life and life more abundantly. So Father, we're in here today wanting your will to be done in our lives. God, help us to know you. Help us to know your ways. God, as we search the scriptures, speak to us and help us to see what we didn't see before help us to glean what we didn't know was there god help us to know you god that is our prayer in jesus name and we all said amen, amen. yeah can we give the lord